Hey now, welcome to the dirty side of the track. It's America's leading Formula One podcast. I'm Brian, that's Rob. The Packers just got their butts beat badly, but that's okay. This is F1, not football. So Rob, how are you doing, my friend? I, I'm, I'm doing really good. Uh, just as we said before we kind of press record on here, I was if the Packers could have just bought it home, I would have almost oh. had like a clean sweep of a weekend. Brought it, it just... home if they couldn't have just pooped on both sides of the bed. Instead of, <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> But um, like from my side of the thing, I'm, I'm gonna have to call it soccer now, as you've gone with football for Packers. But uh, the mighty mighty Ar- the mighty mighty Arsenal pushed on again today, and then there was a phenomenal game between Liverpool and Man City, which was great. So it was all going good. Bruins won in the hockey last night as well, and then um, Packers went and did that. But I guess you can't have everything. I'm talking not being able to have everything. Didn't really get much in the world of F1 this week, did we? Nah, it's pretty. We- quiet. <laughs> it was kind of like quiet. we needed the. Have you got a sound effect for tumbleweed? Uh, I, don't. It, oh, I don't. Oh, man. But, I could try yeah, to make let's... make it sound like tumbleweed, but that wouldn't be good. So let's just move on. So let's just move on to just uh, a small little thing that we've kind of s- quietly introduced over on our YouTube channel, which is we've made reference to our Dirty Side supercomputer a number of times, and she's now taken on, uh, a, I would say a physical being, but she's a computer, yeah. so I'm not sure she's got a physical being she yet. She has a, a virtual. A persona. A persona, yeah. So anybody that's checked out our episodes on YouTube will have heard Victoria, uh, which is our uh, very intelligent computer technology orchestrating race information analysis, uh, or Victoria. Um, yes. She may come over and start making a, uh, an appearance on the pod as well. It's kind of, we've got to try to work out if we should have something appearing before the guitar thrashes in. So we're getting some good feedback from the YouTube channel. So go and check it out. Last two episodes have had Victoria uh, before us two bozos come on. So go and take that out. You can tell it's a slow news week when we have to lead on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, there was one, honestly, was one, one big story yeah. that broke and was discussed and then was discussed some more. And it was uh, hashtag cost capping. And so the question is, you know, where does Red Bull fall with the cost cap situation? Obviously, we saw Aston had a procedural uh, snafu earlier in the year. Williams had had a procedural snafu. But Red Bull had a procedural, but they had the minor. That's the one that matters. They overspent because of, apparently, this is what we're, we're thinking we're learning, uh, some sick time and some catering, and some which were put a certain way and then not put a certain way. However, there are other pieces that are kind of coming out now, and it's hard to tell what is real and what is not real. And so, Rob, one of them that you and I were talking about that's kind of coming out is the, is a treatment of somebody's salary. And it's interesting um, because, again, there are rules, and if you follow the letter, you're okay. They may not be following the spirit, but tell me more about that. Yeah, it was literally just before we were getting ready to come on and record. I was surfing around just to make sure we hadn't missed any like massive breaking news this week, and we we're going to look like idiots because we hadn't like covered like the biggest story oh, out we'll, there. We'll do that anyway. And, I mean, we can do that without any help. Yeah, yeah but suddenly found this one article. It's uh, starting. Looks like reports coming out of German sources. I think is that it's not catering and um, what was the other one? Catering and sick sick leave, yep. which is the thing that these uh, FIA accountants have said, oh, no, 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 you can't put that in that column. You've got to bring it back under your cap, and now you've got this minor. It actually seems to be bouncing more around uh, Adrian Newey and whether or not his salary should or shouldn't be included under the cost cap. Um, apparently, it's a bit of a gray area as to whether he's actually a Red Bull employee or whether he's uh, a contractor with his own independent company <laughs> happening to contract into Red Bull. Now, we've said this for a long time, which is that... Um, when the aero designers find the loopholes in the regs to kind of push the regs to their maximum and even 
potentially a little bit beyond, um, there's going to be the financial equivalent of that. Now, if some accountant has looked at this and said, well, no, it's not an employee, and the, and the, the spirit of the regulation might have meant anybody that's contributing to the car's salary has to fall under this. But if the wording said employees, and they've legitimately said he's not, who knows? And who knows if this will break all over again? It's got nothing to do with Nui. But that was the latest thing that was kind of popping up today was um, it's whether or not he... Because if he's, if he's included, he's likely to be one of the three top earners. But then if he then has to take the space of one of the three top earners, whoever was one of the top three, three that was being included, counts, three right. goes to four and counts. Now, yeah. I, I, if it's only a minor... And people are saying it's not even up at the top limit of the five percent. It's 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 below the five percent by a decent amount. And I think the five percent works out at seven million. Let's say let's split the difference and say it's two and a half percent. They're about like three and a half million over. Nui earns, I would imagine, a lot of money. So if he wasn't being uh, counted, that would leave them way under. Which I can't imagine Red Bull would allow themselves to be way under. They would have wanted to be right up to the the very very touching the ceiling, right? So, I don't know. Let's see how this one plays out. I I like it better than they spent more money on uh, fish fingers and, and chicken wings and stuff than they should have done, but um, not sure I believe it yet. What do you yeah. think, Brian? Well, you know, as we have talked about offline during the week, I've kind of run the gamut of no big deal to there'll be no penalties to maybe this is a bigger deal and to thinking that each you know million dollars does make a difference. And that if they can't follow the accounting procedures, that's a problem, regardless whether they think they broke it or not. But now I really like this this little thing coming out of Germany. And, and I was, you know, Toto is is Austrian. He's he's from Vienna. He's a he's a wiener. Um, and so since he's not, um, it's not from him. But he maybe gave it to a friend in Germany to break because Toto's had a lot of this info from the inside. Which, by the way, is a, a separate problem, right? Right? Like everybody who's known all this stuff before it came out, there's a leak somewhere. Yeah. But that's that's not the root cause of the discussion. It's obviously them breaking the uh, the cost cap. So. The independent contractor thing is fascinating. And, you know, here's the debate I have is the driver's salary is what goes into the performance of the team. The creation of the car it goes is what goes into the performance of the team. Where does that stop? Because in like the NBA and Major League Baseball and the NFL and especially hockey, who all have varying kind of caps, some are hard caps, some are not. Um, it's just the athletes. It's just the, the product on the floor that matters. It's not the people in the back office. It's not the general managers. It's not the coaches who make a ton of money. That doesn't count against the cap. And so the idea that a salaries count is uh, who aren't drivers, right, is a hard one. B, I get it. They can impact the design of the car, which in this example is part of the pro- product on the on the course. So I, I kind of get that, but then this independent contractor thing really is a problem for me. And if it wasn't in the rules, they didn't break the rules, and that's fine. They aren't responsible for following the spirit of the rules. They're responsible for following the letter of the law. But if now the Golden State Warriors, who just re-upped two players, and next year are set to have a $300 million penalty on a $130 million ta- uh, cap, they could say, all right, Steph Curry's an independent contractor. And it doesn't count against the cap. I mean, this is like mind-bending to me if they actually did this. And kudos to them if they did and it worked. But, I mean, like, you know, we got to get round two fixed. Or I guess it's probably too late even. The the 2022 ship has sailed. They got to tighten these up for 2023 so people can't do this kind of stuff. 
if if there's any kind of grey area in all of this, then like we said on last week's pod, and like me and you have spoken about during the week, this is one of those kind of tighten the rules up for next year and uh, move on. If it was blatant cheating and not even in a grey area, then fine, throw the penalties at them that you've uh, promised have got the teeth under this minor, which is uh, unfortunately is quite a wide ranging thing. Yeah, exactly. And unless and unless they actually. Um, launch a nuke at the Red Bull factory and uh, get rid of everybody, most of Twitter won't be happy because they want the the miner to be basically eradicate Red Bull from existence. Well, I mean, <laughs> 2019, Ferrari had the engine situation. They agreed to the penalty. No one ever found out what it was. This is That's what's going to happen here, I think. They're going to yeah. agree to something. We're never going to know. It'll be wildly unsatisfying. It's probably going to be like a day of wind tunnel time they lose, and, and we'll never know, but uh, we'll see. In other news, um, this was kind of exciting that we had the Australian Sports Hall of Fame. And no, I'm not doing this just for you, Mark. But so in the Australian Sports Hall of Fame, they congratulated nine-time Formula One race winner and the first Australian to win an F1 race in 28 years, Mark Webber, was inducted into the 2022 Sport Australia Hall of Fame. And as we all know, he was a great number two driver. Fantastic, guys. Not bad for a number two driver. Cheers. So congratulations to Mark Webber for that. That is really cool. Um, and while we're speaking of oldies but goodies, Mario Andretti got a test in the McLaren, something that Zach had said he would do when they were kind of on that grid walk. Do you remember this? They were doing a grid walk, and they somehow got the two of them together. I think it was Brundle. Had Mario and Zach, and Mario made a comment about driving a modern car and said, Zach, yeah, we'll get you in a test. And like... Everybody held Zach Brown to that. That's that's a non that's an invite is what that was. <laughs> when you're put on the spot, that's an invite that does not count, but people wanted it to count. And so, um, it the, Mario was at Laguna Seca driving the McLaren MP4 28A, the V8 from 2013 non-hybrid, and he loved it. And it was fun to watch him go down the corkscrew and do his thing. Just I thought that was really neat. Yeah, I saw that. I thought that was pretty cool as well. So, uh, will that be the closest Andretti gets to F1? Well, oh gosh, <laughs> ouch, possibly. Sorry, Andretti Global at Laguna Seca. Um, and I have to do. I have to do this really quickly. I have to say, good job to Rob. And I know that sounds easy to say. It's hard for me to do, but Rob nailed something about a month ago. And he said, "Boy, it felt like Alfa Romeo had really fallen off a cliff." And I said, well, Haas, it feels like, had fallen off a cliff. Not to the same extent, I'd said, but, you know, similar kind of decline. Well, the stat was out there, and I just saw it uh, at F1 charts, F1 underscore charts, excuse me. And they showed the biggest difference so far in the season. We've had 18 races, if you cut them up into 1 to 9, and then 10 to 18. The team with by far the biggest negative delta in points... By far, it's not even close, is Alfa Romeo. They had 51 points in rounds one through nine. And in races since then, 10 to 18, they've had one. <laughs> they've gone down 50 points in the first half you know, so far and second half so far. The second closest team was Alfa Tauri, who went down 20. That's not even close. Um, so it was wild to me. To just, see just, that. just one more though, because, yeah, because Haas? Haas, who I, Haas yeah, they who went I up said four. actually, they, they went, they went what, sorry? Up four, but some up of four. that is recent. Okay. No, but, 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 but yeah. they went up. Yeah, they went up. So they're falling off a cliff. They fell off a cliff and then went up as they fell. Well, there was an updraft. And, uh, <laughs> Thank you for putting, because I didn't even realize what this was at first when you put this in the notes. It's like, what's the shout out for Rob here? And then I thought, and then I saw it and I was like, I gotta be honest. I hadn't realized 
when I said my gut feel felt that Alpha had really fallen on their face, when you put this on, I was like, holy words I can't say on a friendly pod. They are mild. They, like, it's like they packed up, and, and sorry, Paul, please don't listen to this, Paul, but it's like they packed up and went home at half time. And they've had, you know, so Joe's had some reliability challenges. They have. Valtteri's yeah, had some have. bad luck and some reliability, but holy cow, it's been bad. Um, and then Alpine is the largest gainer just in the second half of the year so far, up 29 points. I think we've all seen that, right? Like, they've been fast. They've The car's gotten fast. Not a ton of downforce, but on high-speed tracks, they're really there to play, and Fernando's gotten very frisky. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. And, yes, any team named Alpha, Romeo especially and Tauri a bit, have gone gone off a cliff. You apparently want to be Beta, Beta <laughs> Alpine. Um, so I, I just wanted to give you Rob Vale. Yes. A shout out, congratulations. You nailed it. I'm gonna have man. a tip of my BNA. Yeah, it's well deserved. Uh, okay, a couple quick videos. Last week was Video Palooza. This week I only have four, and one of them is the one, only really one to watch. It was All Access Big in Japan by Scuderia Alpha Tauri. You have to go watch the beginning of this. It is hashtag pukey. Pierre and Yuki and their time in Japan. It's like 20 minutes. I only watched the first five. I'll just be honest. That's all you need because I talked a little bit last week about them racing Red Bull around Tokyo and having to do various things in their cars and catch you know notes and kind of make things happen. But this was before it was announced that Pierre was going to Alpine. And so Pierre and Yuki are in the car. And Pierre says, boy, how come when I'm with you, it's always raining? And Yuki, it took him a little time to kind of get the words out in English, said, it's because my heart is crying because next year you're going to a different team. <laughs> and I watched this. I'm like, oh, and Pierre was like heartbroken. You could see it. And so if you have five minutes, just check that out and tell me it isn't genuine and it isn't two guys who enjoy working together. And that breaking that up, I, that had to have been hard for Pierre. But man, that was, uh, that was something. I don't know. Um, one other one that uh, I saw nine minutes of meh, but I'm a little confused, was Nico Hulkenberg drove me around Silverstone in an Aston Martin by Lizzie McIntosh. Again, this lady I've never heard of who a month ago had Charles and Carlos at the same time. Her most famous video outside of that was like asking people in New York City if they've watched F1. She, I think she's big on TikTok. Um, but anyway, she got Nico to drive her around and she interviewed him and then they were in the car and the audio was not good, but, um, it was a good interview. So like, if you have a couple minutes, watch the first half. She did some, some good interviewing there. Did you see it, Rob? I know it's, you're probably subscribed. No, 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 I, I, I haven't seen that at all. Um, so I got nothing on that one. You're, you're our YouTube guy. I mean, literally you do not sleep when the rest of the world turns off their lights and goes to bed. That's when Brian wakes up and turns on YouTube. Pretty much. It's yeah. Last couple, um, one is F1 drivers open up on the pressures they face. World Mental Health Day on the F1 channel. World Mental Health Day was earlier this last week. Um, it's really good. And for anybody who's ever feeling down, and a lot of us have been there at some point, or friends or family, it's kind of neat to hear F1 drivers talk about being an F1 driver and the pressure that brings on, but then also how normal human beings face it. So check that guy out. And then the C-squared challenge, Ferrari. Japanese lessons with Carlos Sainz and Charles. Uh, you could pass on that one. The audio wasn't great. I'm not really sure what was going on half the time. Um, anyway. And, and I, I pop up with three videos this week, Brian. Look at oh, this. There's, I'm giving you grief, and uh, but I didn't discover any of these on YouTube. This is a scrolling through um, 
Twitter and things that took my attention. And I, I know it's boring, but two of them are good old lollipop man again. So, so dropped two videos this week. One was the Max title winning confusion and t- uh, Max <laughs> refusing to believe he's won the title. And, and they just keep layering on all these extra things and uh, fireworks and, you know, just everything <laughs> saying, you've won it, you've won it. He's like, nope, nope, nope. And he refuses. Anyway, great video. Uh, at the end, you have to just watch it for Alonso making a little guest appearance. And it involves the World Drivers' Championship throne, that armchair. You, it, you just need to see that. Um, but the one that really got me going was the Coscap presentation. <laughs> so he's got uh, Max and Checo doing like a PowerPoint presentation to the others to say why their catering money was was valid. And I don't want to ru- ruin all the jokes, but they're all food-based jokes where the type of food that they claim that was on the catering menu is suspiciously sounding like improvements to the car with huge um, budgets associated with it. So that's, that's definitely uh, worth one. And one that I've been meaning to call out for a couple of weeks now, because this, I don't even know if it's a guy or a girl, actually, but they are insanely talented because uh, YouTube channel, The Moving Bricks, and they do stop motion Lego recreations of the races, right? Now, this dropped on, it was either Tuesday or Wednesday, which given that the race was only on Sunday, the amount of detail, and I know how slow it is after after having done one with my son for a while, these stop-go films just take, like, forever to do, especially when you've got a four-year-old that wants to knock everything over. But anyway, um, it's insane. It's so good. It's just the attention to detail and how they generated the spray effect in Lego was actually fantastic. Um, so go check out the Moving Bricks channel on YouTube. It was uh, it was great stuff. Um, and talking of... Uh, Max and the videos on Lollipop Man. That, that's going to bring us to the end of news and social and where we're going to go this week, Brian, which I realised we didn't actually start at the beginning to say what we're going to do today. So for everyone that's been hanging on in there to find out what we're doing, do you want to uh, tell us what we're going to be doing, Brian? I'd be happy to. So it's not quite a Vale's Tales, but as you can hear, the fireplace is lit. We want to talk about the 2022 season. Max Verstappen is a double world champion. He dominated this season, as we've talked about many times on this year's podcast. But why don't we talk a little bit about how this domination came about? And I'm going to stop the crackling fireplace, because <laughs> for some reason it's going to make me have to pee here in a minute, and that doesn't make any sense. Yes, but so let's talk so, a little bit about the 2022 season of Max, and kind of highlight say, it's how more, it came around. We, we were kicking some ideas around and thinking, when we get to the end of this t- uh, season, season we're going to want to do a season review and actually be nice to kind of do a season review where we're picking over some of the lesser known areas or our favorite moments or all this kind of stuff we thought well but we have to acknowledge the title race between max and charles and now that he's got it all sewn up we thought well it doesn't really matter what happens in the next four races let's just let's go back and rewind right back to bahrain and actually as we researched this things fell off a little bit earlier than we were both remembering right totally a real fast question um so does that mean when we do the full season review, we can highlight things like Nikki Latifi making the wrong turn in Japan? 100%. We've got yes. full license now. We will have covered the whole title decider, so we can have the alternative season review when we come to the end of the season, right? Perfect. So thank you, Max, for wrapping it up early so we yeah. can cover that all now Done. and do a stupid one at the end of the season. Done and dusted. So why don't you kick it off? Okay, yeah, so Bahrain, uh, we were all super excited on the dirty side. It was our very first race we were ever going to cover as a podcast. Um and it was a pretty good race, a pretty good race. But Max had a power unit failure a few laps from the end. Uh, in fact, Perez suffered exactly the same thing. Literally, like, was it last lap? It was very, very close. Very anyway. close to the end, yes. Um, so both Red Bulls up in smoke. Charles strolls to a win. And I'm a little, little 
small print here for this whole review. I am unashamedly a Ferrari fan. I have to acknowledge that Max uh, won this fantastically, but this whole review might well be tinged through the eyes of a sad Ferrari fan and watching it all collapse. So right now, back in Bahrain, all is good. The car looks beautiful. It looks fast. And Charles is going to win the world championship fact. <laughs> I'm happy you'd establish that after one week. That was uh, <laughs> that was good. Yeah, fastest lap. All is good. You know, we were looking at the new cars, right? Where They were following closely. That's great. The racing was fun. Again, Ferrari looked frisky. Red Bull had, had pace, but, you know, they didn't have reliability. And then we went to Jeddah after that. And at this point... Um, you know, missiles are literally flying over the track on like Thursday and Friday, but it doesn't stop Max from coming back, taking the win. Charles comes in second with the fastest lap. Um, it, and this one had what I thought was some of the be- of the season, some of the best up front first place racing back and yeah. forth across the line, trying to time the DRS, if you remember that a little bit. And it just, A, I'd not liked Jetta last year. It still feels a little dangerous to me now, but I liked it in these cars. Alpine, I know we're doing Max and Charles, but Alpine let the guys race each other um, at Jetta. It was a lot of fun. And watching Max and Charles, it just felt like we had a battle on our hands. And Charles is up 20 uh, at this point. But even though he didn't win, he won and then had second at uh, Saudi. So Charles up 20, and I'm thinking this is going to be a fun season. Yeah, and then we roll on to the land down under, commonly known as Australia. And uh, lap 39, the reliability issues kick in and Max's car catches fire. Another DNF, Charles sweeps through with fastest lap, uh, wins now, takes his total up to 71 to Max's 25. Max is 46 points behind. This is the year. This is the first championships, I think it was, was it Kimi in 2007 for Ferrari? Yeah. Yeah, this is it. Right. This is 15 years of hurt coming to end right now. And then they interview Christian Horner on the pit wall afterwards, and they ask him, is the car reliable or not? And he says... But I'd rather fix a fast car yeah. than try and make a reliable, slow one fast. And boy, was he spot on. Man, I'm not a big... Uh, you know, people are calling him Winger Spice for all the complaining. I've always called him Spice Boy. Uh, regardless, I don't like Christian Horner. But uh, he nailed it. I mean, that he... quote is going to come back and haunt every Ferrari fan very, very soon. Yes, <laughs> as we move. <laughs> and as you said, at this point, after three races, Charles is up forty-six points, and you know we wouldn't be uh, sap stats if we didn't have something that we could play here. Sap stats. So at this point, while it's still early on in the championship, of course. It was a 46-point deficit, which at this point proved to be the biggest points deficit ever overturned to become champion, um, well, since 2010, um, because points were different before that. It was uh, the whole situation was different. I'd be willing to bet it, it was still the biggest because they gave more points at that point. But 2022, Max was 46 points behind Charles Leclerc, a Ferrari. Hold that in your mind, Ferrari fan. In 2012, Seb was the second largest to overcome 44 points behind Fernando Alonso in a Ferrari. I can't say it. <laughs> and then in 2010, the other one was Seb again, 31 points behind Lewis in the McLaren. Uh, 2014, Lewis overcame 29 points behind his teammate, Nico Rosberg. And the other one that made the table, 2017, Lewis Hamilton was 25 points behind Seb in a Ferrari. Red Bull? <laughs> not that year my friend um oh, f1 stats guru thank you for that so it um it was 
in retrospect, that was the highlight and turned out to be the largest deficit ever overcome for the championship from that point forward. Yeah, and we we moved on to Italy. Um, it's Imola, right? I can't give it its big, long, fancy Emilio. I mean, it's it, it was Imola. Um, and we get Max wins, right? Okay, fine. That's going to happen. And really, if your title rival wins, you hope to come home in second and just minimize the damage. It's all about kind of just uh, being as good as you can on your bad day when you don't win it. But now, good old hindsight here, uh, Captain Hindsight, Monday morning quarterback, whatever you want to call it, we get our first hint that Charles may be not dealing with the pressure of where he is and the title he's going for. So he's he's... Pushing against Perez, he doesn't need to push as hard as he is. He's probably got the pace in the car, and he pushes too hard. He spins, he comes sixth, and hands a nice big wedge of points differential back over to Max. So we now drop from the 46 that we had. We almost, like, we take 20 straight out of that. Max wins, Charles six. We get uh, Max 59, Charles 86, deficit of 27 now to Max. And we push on on to the the fake marina of Miami. (laughs) Yeah. So we go our, the inaugural Miami GP. Uh, Max does win this race, for everyone who remembers. Charles came second. There was some good battling here. Actually, the track turned out to be okay. It seemed like, you know, um, fun to watch. After the safety car, Charles still in front, though, even though with the second place. Uh, but Max cut into his lead. Charles 104, um, Max 85. Do I have the math right there? 10 points? That's not right on the math. Yeah, I, I might have messed the math up, but, well, but either it's way, fine. It's all good. Max is cutting into it. And at this point, I think, in retrospect, Ferrari fans were getting very nervous. Uh, very twitchy this at this going. point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and the worst part is they hadn't had a lot of reliability challenges yet. No, 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 no. Worse than that. We haven't even started the Ferrari clown show yet. I know. We haven't had hit the, the run of strategy. At this point, we're only, what, this is the, the fifth race in, I think, something like yeah. that. And, it, and it, it's just genuine, kind of been back and forth, back right. and forth. A couple of DNFs of Red Bull, Charles overcooking it a little bit and spinning. But, you know, it's just general title fight stuff at this uh, and, up and until now. <laughs> overcooking and spinning at Chasing Checo in Italy. Um, you know, you mentioned that. He, he doesn't really make mistakes on Saturdays often. But on Sundays... They seem to happen a little more frequently. Yeah. And that's not the day to do it. Um, he puts together some amazing laps in Q3, just stuff you would never expect to see before. And, you know, taking two tenths off max at times. But then on Sunday, and we'll get to more of them, it really, you start to see maybe Charles, you know, I don't know what it is, but if he's trying to overcompensate for the team or errors, we'll see more coming soon. But anyway, sorry, we are on to Spain. We're on to Spain, and this one, I mean, this is only round six. And there's a stat in this round that when I was researching it, I was thinking, no, I've got to have got this wrong. This this can't be right. But, okay, we go to Spain. Um, Charles gets a DNF due to a power unit failure, and Max capitalizes with both the win and the fastest lap. And he now moves ahead of Charles by six points. Okay, cool, that's fine. Six points is nothing in Formula One. But as I plotted out the rest of that se- this season and look back over the differential that we were tracking between Max and Charles. I don't remember this being right, but apparently it is. Round six, Max takes the lead by six points. He will now never lose top spot again. No matter how many times we think Ferrari are getting closer, this is it. From round six onwards, Max is at the top of the leaderboard. And I, 
I don't. I've watched this whole season, and I still can't believe that's right. It feels like Charles got back at some point, but he doesn't. And we'll we'll go on now to how many times he has a couple of little nibbles into the lead. But really, as early as that, <laughs> it was over. They could have they could have handed Max the trophy before Monaco. And it would have been correct. And, and talking of Monaco, and yeah. talking of the aforementioned uh, Ferrari clown show. <laughs> um, okay, we're six points. There's not a lot in this, um, but it all began in. I think it all began in Monaco for the for, for the Ferrari clown show, right? Yeah. Um, they, you know, everything else this season so far, actually, pole position and or, or good qualifying hasn't been as important this year. These new cars can follow, and overtaking is so much easier that actually um, qualifying Saturday position has actually been diluted a little bit, which is probably not to Charles's favour because, like you just said, he's a Saturday guy. But the one place you can pretty much guarantee on the entire calendar, yeah. Monaco, yep, matters uh, there. Ferrari get a one-two in qualifying. Just that's it. Just procession off from the beginning bring it home one two happy in days rain, charles too. back in, in the, the rain yeah. you would figure it, it like it'd be harder overtake in the rain at monaco like this is a guarantee but you could actually hear the music coming out of the far garage <laughs> season's just getting started for ferrari strategy at this point i mean it was epic and um you know max only came home third and it just it felt watching monaco I was expecting, I don't know how to say this, more from Max, if that's a thing. It felt like he was just kind of coasting along, and it didn't feel particularly inspired. And he still finished third. He's that good. And I'm, I'm just watching from the outside. It didn't, he didn't go for things I thought he would have went for, and he still kicked some butt. Obviously, as you said, Ferrari 2-4. Their double stack situation, the in, 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 no, 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 no. Stay out, stay out, stay out. And I'm already in the pit lane. And this was the first time Checo showed off the... Wet track, look, street track chops. I know you're year. a Checo fan, right? Yeah. This is the Max and Charles story. Yeah, Checo. <laughs> He's a teammate of Max. And uh, his name, his okay. nickname starts with a C, which is like Charles and Carlos. Uh, fine. Um, if you're going to mention Checo, we'll mention Sainz. Because Ferrari did the double blunder here. Because if you remember, Sainz was kind of saying, I want to change my... T-. We had this whole... This is where the whole back and forth between drivers starts. not really mm-hmm. trusting the radio of what Ferrari were telling them. It all started here. Well, Carlos was insisting on not coming in. And he wanted to go straight to whatever, the Inters or whenever he went to the Slicks. But he said, here's my strategy, what I want to do. And Charles kind of followed the rules and did whatever they told him, and then it just kept getting worse. But uh, like you say, Max only grabbed um, third. third spot. Charles was fourth, so it, it it nudges up a little bit from six points to nine points is the delta now as we march on to Baku. And this Baku was not Azerbaijan as a whole was bad for Ferrari engines. For anyone who remembers, there were multiple Ferrari DNFs, um, and and Carlos's I don't think it was an engine per se; it was something related to it. But Charles' engine went up in smoke. Max marches on, undoes the pain from Azerbaijan the year before when he had the blowout on the straight. Now he's up 34 points. And at this point, you know, not even Yuki's half-broken Azerbaijan DRS flap can help <laughs> Charles out. It's just getting worse. Do you remember that? That was great. Yeah. And they put duct tape on the it, too. Tape on and the don't wing, hit the yeah. button or we'll get disqualified. I'm like, is this F1 or are we watching like a bad NASCAR rerun from the 80s? And so uh, anyway, then they went to Canada... They had to put a new power unit in the back of Charles' car. 
He started from the back of the grid. He fought his way up to fifth in a valiant effort. But if you remember, he just couldn't, out of that long, bending, kind of 90-degree sweeping hairpin, if that's a thing, a sweeping hairpin, um, onto the straight, he just couldn't get the pace in that Ferrari to get up to any further than fifth. And Max won. Max kicked a lot of butt. This was the same race where his teammate was off wandering the woods um, after he had his crash. And Max is now 49 points up after Canada. And that is a lot of points. And because we're looking at this after the fact, we get the ability to do this hindsight thing. And actually, if you look at this, so the races where Max, and we'll come to them later, had to take back the grid penalties and what he turned those into versus what Charles turned this into here just shows you the combination of man and machine here. Max in the Red Bull was able to capitalize on situations that should have been putting him at huge disadvantage, way more than Charles was able to do uh, in the Ferrari. He just didn't slice through the field in the same kind of killer instinct way that that we'll talk about Max as he comes later. So yeah, we're we're 49 points. We move on to Silverstone, um, home of racing. Um, And everyone... The Vale Chicane, uh, Vale Corner, it's um, legendary. But everyone remembers the beginning of this one. This is the whole horrible uh, Joe crash upside down into the catch net. Um, but again, another kind of example where Ferrari didn't capitalize on you don't, you're not going to get too many times where things get handed to you. Right. So we didn't know what was happening, but Max all of a sudden is running really, really slow. Everyone's convinced he's about to retire, but he seems to maintain this kind of off-the-pace pace for the rest of the race. And if you remember, that what it will transpire is he had a bit of, was it actually Alpha Tauri, wasn't it? But the sister yeah. team for all those tinfoil hat people. I think they pulled the piece that, out and they yeah, said they, Alpha Tauri on it. It was like branded. I'm like, how, what's the odds of a branded piece of car going into someone else's? Exactly. It got stuck on the, under the floor with the and the floor being so important for the downforce these days in these cars. Once he had a piece of uh, Alpha Tauri under there, he couldn't do anything about it. So he kind of limped home to seventh. So you're thinking... This is it then, capitalize. You can now take a bite back out of those um, 49 points and really kind of maybe, really kind of make some ground here. But it's Ferrari. And we won't play the Benny Hill music every single time they do something. But you know that Max is the number one driver over at Red Bull. At this point in the season, everyone assumes that um, Charles is the number one driver. But this is the one where they left Charles out for track position because having track position but concrete blocks of hard tires <laughs> would be a better strategy than bringing him in for super softs. And, well, not super soft, but soft tires. Yeah, and, they don't have super softs and, anymore. And every way that everyone saw this unfolding was like, okay, yes, there are a million places where track position is considered the go-to. Do not give up track position. This one isn't one of them. Well, and it wasn't. And he got gobbled up and eaten alive. But as we were kind of talking about this, you even wrote, do they prioritize Carlos? And I actually don't think they did. I think the way it kind of came about was, if you remember under the safety car towards the end, Carlos was right behind Charles. And they told Carlos to drop back 10, 10 car lengths to give a buffer for Charles. Just to undo the stupid and, decision they'd already made. But then Carlos gets on one of the best radio messages of the year. Because he knew he could win this friggin' thing well, for his no, first but, win. But exactly, because they've already screwed the pooch at Correct. this point, right? I Where understand, but they didn't, re- they didn't prioritize wrong. They were just bad. It was bad strategy across the board, I think. Everyone with eyes knows that when everyone was dropping in to go and change the tires, well, you they, bring they Charles in first in. and go to I soft, understand. right? It's... I understand, but they didn't. I don't think they did that to give Carlos the win. They just screwed up. 
they went for track position as opposed to getting him in the well, best okay, place. Okay, so to maybe win. I'll flip it around. It's not. It wasn't that they pro. They just. They should have been prioritizing Charles in all of their thinking at this point. Correct. This is. He's got an opportunity here. Max is limping around at the moment. We're not quite sure what's wrong with that car because if they, anyone thought it was mechanical, no one would have known there was stuff underneath there. So they might have thought his car's about to die any minute. So prioritize Charles. If Max drops out, that's twenty-five points pulled back in for Agreed. Charles, and they just didn't. They just. Ah! By the way, can we can we give one other shout out to Max here? And even though this is the Max Championship Edition uh, episode, the the thing that blew my mind about driving with a broken car wasn't at Britain this year. It was actually at Hungary last year when the Valtteri went bowling in the first round, uh, the first lap at the first corner, and Max limped home in something like eighth or seventh. I can't remember. But he had like no side pod on the car, if you remember that. It was like ripped off, like a good portion of it from that crash. He was hit, and then he kept racing, and he was going up through the field. And you never really saw the car until I saw a photo a couple of days after that. It was mind-bending that he was able to get that thing home at all, let alone in the position he did. I mean, the guy has talent just oozing out of... Uh, yeah, I know, and I do. I and I can recognize that. I was just still very hurting at this point. So <laughs> Charles does take a little bit of a nibble. He brings it yeah, down yeah, from forty nine to forty three points, but not the kind of uh, the bite into the lead you need to be taken. And then it was kind of Groundhog Day. The same kind of things uh, in terms of the nibble kind of happened again, but this time actually not because of any like bad um, uh, performance happening to either cars. We just had a, a banger. Yeah. Uh, of a race in Austria. We thought it was going to be a terrible race, and it yeah. was a great race, for especially for Austria. So it was very surprising. Um, yeah, you know, Charles overtook Max a number of times, and it looked like Max was going to be gobbled up by Carlos, too, until Carlos's car let go. And it was, a, if you remember that, kind of going up uphill on, the, um, on a big right turn, third or fourth yeah. corner, and it just was a massive explosion as he went off to the runoff area. And on just on Discord, JP said it was an ECE, an external combustion engine. <laughs> that was the one where when he got out, the car rolled backwards, and other right, marshals he's, came he's to holding help him, it, right? It's on fire, and it's like a massive fire, and he's holding it like, "Can you come give me a block or something over here?" And uh, yeah, that. Uh, but so at this point, it was another little minor dip with Charles finishing ahead, and now we're down to thirty-eight points. So it, yeah, people like Rob are thinking, yeah. there's a chance. There's a You're chance. You're telling me there's yeah, a you know, chance. It's, it's like you keep nibbling these like uh, three, four, five, six points, and then maybe Max gets a DNF and Charles can win. We're right back in this. And then, but then I'm going to call this as the yeah. one of the big turning points in the season, right? So we head off to everyone's, especially Pit Lane Paul's favorite tracks in the world, uh -oh. Paul Ricard. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Oh, I, I don't even know when to say anything. She just, she, if you just play the sound, I think that sums up this entire race, right? I'm going to play it with the engineer asking a very important question in front of it. Uh, are, are you okay? No! The driver error. It was. We it thought was, there was a mechanical yeah. problem. And then they showed her the reruns, and, and Charles was on the white, lost control of the back as he was on the line, and... Uh, and he was he was clear. He was under no actual pressure. He was building a lead, and he didn't... Oh, it was just soul-destroying. I feel bad playing um, that no sound. We had a... For anyone who's listened throughout the season, you know I said I wasn't going to use that for like three weeks, and then it found its way in here. It just... It felt so... Visceral. Yes, and, and personal and painful. Because he somebody, knew. He left it all out there, and he literally left the championship out there that race. As you said... If he could have had one big points, you know, he's 38 behind, that's not the end of the world. But now, after 
Circuit Paul Ricard, 63 points down. Yeah, and Max sniffs blood at this point because now he sets off on just an imperious streak of race wins that just that just snuff out. Like they often say, like when you feel like you're able to close something out, you need to, and pardon the phrase, but you kind of almost need to stand on the throat of the opposition and kind of just, just, just end it, right? Yep. And that's what Max goes about doing now. None of these little kind of uh, dips or anything. He just goes off on an absolute mega bomb of a street. And it starts with Hungary. Well, that, sorry, it starts with France. That's, that's win number one. Hungary, and going back to our Canadian point here, Max starts 10th. Um, and he's now in damage limitation mode. Only he's not, because he's in a <laughs> rocket ship. And he just swept through the entire field. Um <sighs> And we had another child, another Ferrari moment, didn't we? Yeah, well, I mean, a hard tire debacle. And again, I'm not going to play it every time. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I said I wasn't going to do it. Um, oh. But yeah, Ferrari screwed up again, yet again, and Max wins. And what I found fascinating is Max Verstappen's lead at the summer break, which is not the halfway point, as we've already made clear, but at the summer break, his lead of 80 points over Charles is the second biggest lead ever going into the summer break. And so I found that kind of interesting that he'd built up that large a margin, especially earlier in the year, he'd been the furthest behind that a winner oh. had ever overcome. So that shows that domination. If anyone wanted to know the difference, 2022, as I said, Verstappen over Leclerc, 80 points at the summer break. 2011, Seb had an 84, 85, I almost said it with an Australian accent over Mark Webber, <laughs> 85 points, mate. 80, that was horrible. 85 point lead. <laughs> I wasn't prepared. Over Mark Webber, <laughs> who just got inducted into the Australian Hall of Fame from continuity perspective. But so, yeah, the, the, just domination. And the, the, the thing is, it just continued after that, after the summer break. It, it, it did. And actually, and just one thing we didn't touch on that I, I saw here that I put in the notes was that this was the one, if you remember, after Max has swept through the entire field, he did the spin out. He did the 360, which let Charles go past him as if he was just toying with him. And then he went and overtook him again. It's Within a lap. Like, I, I'm that quick that I can overtake you, um, do a donut, let you go past, and I'll just uh, overtake you again, thanks. It was... So anyway, we went off into the break, and we kind of came back bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Bonotto had kind of said, yeah, we can win, like, uh, six, the next six races, and we're right back in this. And I Don't make me play the music again. uh, I I won't, but I'm stupidly going along with this. Um, And we rock up in uh, Belgium, in Spa, one of mine and Brian's favourite tracks of all time. And Max has got... Uh, a back of the grid penalty, so not a hungry tenth. We're now back of the grid, right? So, come on, guys. If Bonotto's right, we're going to cash in on this over at Ferrari. Then Charles wins. Max gets held up in traffic. Maybe, especially in that first corner where there's always carnage. Maybe Max even gets taken out, and we can eat f- twenty-five points into this. It's back on, baby. <laughs> or was it? And so the race starts. Max starts at the back. He's in a rocket ship, but very early on. Charles had some massive overheating in his brakes. It turns out he had a tear-off in his brake duct. And at some point, someone thought it was from Max or Checo. It wasn't. It was from somebody else. I I did an analysis. I actually got the the tear-off, and I brought it to a lab, and it was not. Um, But it was a tear-off in his his brake duct. He had to get that taken out, and it just fell apart from there. They, And I'll remember this very clearly. They, They pitted Charles at the end of the race to figuring softer tires faster tires get the fastest lap maybe gain a position well it all went backwards for him because he came out behind fernando 
And, you know, as everybody knows, passing Fernando at this day and age is impossible. And so he's stuck behind Fernando. He finally gets past him. And then it turns out he was speeding in the pit lane by 0.1 kilometers an hour. He had a five-second penalty, dropped back a place, cost him points. Didn't get the fastest lap. Didn't get the fastest <laughs> lap because he was negotiating with Fernando the whole time. And now it's a 98-point lead for Max. And again, Ferrari looked like idiots at this point. And, and Max won this one by 17 seconds after starting at the back. Like, not just kind of just kind of overtook on the last corner and wins it by a, a, a hair. No, won it by 17 seconds despite starting at the back. It was Amazing. just insane. And he just carried on going and... Rocked up at Zandvoort, uh, which, you know, in all its banked corners, glory. Um, and this was one, probably the one and only tinfoil hat moments of the year, I think. When, what? There was um, a million tinfoil hat moments. No, already, this was the big one, I think, where they yeah. kind of like... Yuki uh, in the Alpha Tauri. Yeah, Yuki in the Alpha Tauri. Uh, apparently, Helmut Marco got on the radio to tell him to uh, <laughs> crash it or bring it to a stop so that um, Max could take advantage of a safety car because he was losing at this point. Actually, it was... Um, Looked like it was going to be Charles's day. They were starting to pull away, and then the safety cars just didn't go their way. Um, and this but, is one where staying out. Like then they did both pit, but then Max's car was too fast, and then Charles got pipped by Russell at the line. But back to the Yuki thing, I still find this one weird. He thought the tire wasn't fixed after his pit stop. Pulls over, loosens his belts. They say no, everything's okay. He drives in slowly, no belts. They change his tires. They tighten his belts and then send him out to just stop on the side of the track where they can't easily recover the car. So this was, you're right, it was the best tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. I don't think it's true. No, but, I don't. Uh, it was a good one. Um, it was very confusing. When they when they took him in, sent him back out, and then told him to pull over. I'm like, well, you was just in. You couldn't have... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and with um, Max winning it, I think this is whatever it is, the third or fourth on the spin now and we head off to Monza in the Temple of Speed which yeah, you know I'd kind of been hoping for a Ferrari good show but the, the Red Bull is just so fast at I mean, this we point knew he was gonna it win was here. just yeah. it was just obvious it was like hey we're going to a circuit that favours a fast car <laughs> <laughs> oh man and uh, Max did not again pressure's on him right but he just doesn't put a foot wrong um, just makes it five on the bounce uh, yeah we finished, finished under safety, safety car, car. But... yeah I was thinking the same thing a little bit little anticlimactic finish but I thought it was appropriately judged Max's lead goes up to 116 and then we go to Singapore and boy was it raining in Singapore if anyone remembers this um, the first mathematical chance as Rob would point out that uh, Max could have closed it out um, this was where he was coming around on a banger of a quali lap for pole he had the time in the bank and as the last corner, he had to duck into the pits, and he he basically did the George Carlin seven dirty words impression <laughs> on the radio over and over again because it seemed as though he didn't have enough fuel. Um, so he ended up starting in the back, and one of Lollipop's man Lollipop Man's finest videos. Where did you start? Seventh? Where did you finish? Seventh? Must have been boring. But then they showed his race and how chaotic it was. Um, and so he finished seventh. Max did with Charles finishing second. So a little dip back into the points. Max only up 104. However, I got to highlight something here before I let you talk about Singapore. The lockup that Max had towards the end of the race when he was like really going for it and trying to get people at the corners, late breaking, out breaking them. He had a lockup that was so, it was a four-wheel lockup and it went straight off the track into the runoff area 
And it just kept going for like what seemed, as we joked at the time, all the way to Japan to start the next race. He spins the car around on what have to be squares at this point, and he has to go into the pits because it was that bad of a lockup. He couldn't continue on those tires. Um, and as we said, he finished seventh. I saw a photo not long ago of the road, because it's a street track, in Singapore. And there are two lines that are so dark, that are so long, that are still there. And it is, ep- I mean, it is fantastic. I mean, Max has literally left his imprint on that road for, I'm guessing, a serious amount of time at this point. That's going to be months until that stuff's gone. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So kind of, he missed that chance to get it. But even if he'd have won that one, I think it needed a whole bunch of things to go his way for in order for it to be mathematically certain. Um, which is kind of ironic because he ends up winning it, as we all saw last week in Japan, in a way that no one realised was mathematically certain because no one was uh, sure what points were uh, were going to get given out. But Four points? Four points? <laughs> <laughs> so... Let's not kind of uh, go down that one again, but I mean, we all saw last week's and he just, just from that moment, from that moment back in the middle of the middle of the year, uh, back in France, uh, from the, let's not play the radio again, but it really, although obviously he'd taken the lead in round six in Spain, I really think France was kind of that big sliding doors moment that, you know, Charles is winning that race by, by pretty easily, didn't need to do what he did and uh, just fully hands over momentum to Max and let's be honest he takes it he takes it and runs with it big style after those uh, in two of the first three races when he had the DNFs after that it never felt like he was that far behind no matter what happened start at the back win engine grid you know penalties get up there but you lose part of your side underneath your car you got Alpha Tauri still finished sixth or seventh it, he never was out of anything after no. that point, yet Ferrari, between strategy and driver error and reliability, was out of everything, it felt like, going <laughs> forward. So, And it wasn't always Charles, sometimes it was Carlos, but blah, blah, blah. My point is, Max put on, after the fourth race onwards, one of the best seasons. And we've t- again, we've talked about it. He already has, you know, he has a chance, if he were to win out, uh, to finish second from a relative perspective of race wins in a season, which is kind of the way you should do this as we're adding win- uh, dr- you know, races all the time. He would be the second most winningest driver in a season ever if he, if he wins out uh, just behind uh, Alberto Ascari's 52 season. So anyway, just he's been absolutely dominant. And one thing I'd like to highlight is there was an analysis done by Formula Dino of average race pace against your teammate. And the person with the largest race pace gap against a teammate, probably not that surprising. It's Albon over Latifi. The second, horror. Yeah, the second one may upset some people, but it's Lando over Danny Rick, which really probably isn't that big of a surprise to anybody. But what blew my mind is third is Max over Checo. Checo is second in the championship. Yeah. Checo has the second most wins, I think, or, or after Charles, he's third most wins uh, this year. He, he, but Max has dominated his teammate in the same car a teammate who was doing great. I thought that was fascinating to see as well. What a season by Max. Oh, it was. And and by the way, just I need to give a shout out to uh, formula1points.com, which is where I grabbed all the kind of the margins and the and the week by week points. It's a, if you are an F1 nerd, oh my gosh, this is an amazing. It's there's so many graphs that you never knew you even needed to see. <laughs> uh, so just go to formula1points.com and go check that out. That is uh that is superb, and I think you've got, uh, just to close us out here, we've got some sap stats, right? Yeah, a couple more. Uh, let's do a couple more sap stats here, and we'll have... 
So a couple more things is I already hit the advantage over teammate. Max is the youngest two-time world champion by uh, second place. First place, youngest two-time world champion, Sebastian Vettel, was 24 years, three months old. I'm not going to get into days, but let's just say 24 years, three months. Max is 25 years old. If you remember, it was his birthday not long before Japan. So Max is second in that regard. Third, Fernando Alonso, when he won his second championship, 25 years and two months. So very close as well. And then fourth is the great Michael Schumacher, 26 years, nine months, which is a big delta. So really it's Seb, Max, and Fernando when you think of the youngest people would ever get the first two titles. And that's some amazing air that he is in. And then I wanted to highlight of active drivers, the people who convert pole to win the most. Now, this one's kind of a weird stat, so give me a second to explain this one because we haven't talked a lot about Max on pole. He hasn't had that many poles this year. He's had some. Uh, but not nearly as many as Charles. We've talked about Charles and his Saturday dominance. Max has converted 72% of his polls to wins. That is highest among active drivers. The second place is Fernando Alonso at 63 or really 64%. So Fernando's not far off. However, one of the lowest, and the lowest one on the chart here, is Charles Leclerc at 22% of polls to win. And I just, this was in uh, the Formula One subreddit, um, I just wanted to highlight that because that is shocking to me that a guy, and again, if you were asking me and I were starting a team and we were all drafting drivers, I would have Max, personally, I'd have Max first, today's Max, and then it, for me, before I saw that stat, it would have been like a Lewis, in a, one year, Lewis and a uh, Charles debate. And if it were like a long term, I might have put Lando up there or George. But... 22% pole to win conversion ratio? That has to be looked at. You're well, starting I, first by definition of pole position. Um, and Yeah, go ahead. No, what's not on your stat here, which is the reason and a big, huge reason for that 22% is because Max has won so many races when Charles has had poles. So not only has Max converted 72% of his own poles into victories, he's he's converted some ridiculous percentage of Charles's poles into victories. <laughs> it's, he's eating his lunch too. Oh my gosh, it is yeah. so... I mean, it's been a great, it has, you know, from a Ferrari fan, not so much, but you have to admire the skill uh, that Max has brought to the table there, combined with a, an amazing car as well. Um, so, yeah, congrats, Max. It's been it's been a great year, and he's finished top of the leaderboard. Um, talking to people that might finish top of the leaderboard, um, what, a, what a segue, eh? What a segue. Um, this week on uh, DRS, we were able to speak to Andy, who is currently heading up our F1 Dirty Side uh, Fantasy League. So let's go and take a little listen and see how we got on with Andy. We are super excited to have a 100 Seconds of DRS guest with us this week, Andy. Andy, for everybody who listens to the Dirty Side and who participates in our fantasy pool, he's the leader. He's leading by like a country mile, as we would say here in the States. It's not even close. And so, Andy, welcome to the uh, podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me. I'm quite looking forward to this. Yeah, well, we're <laughs> quite looking forward to this, too. Now, my first question. Oh, wait there, wait there. Before you, before yeah. you get going, Brian, <laughs> just before you get going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to say two things to Andy. Well, number one is thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for keeping Brian off the top of the leaderboard. <laughs> I could not have bared it if he was top and crowing over everybody. It's bad enough that he's beaten me. At least there's somebody else keeping him in his place. So that's the first thing. Thank you for that. Second, shall I just show myself out and let you two fantasy nerds like uh, have a date? 
<laughs> that would be fine. Um, I was trying to figure out how to mute you anyway, as you made that first comment. <laughs> but uh, I, I actually, my first question for Andy is is about fantasy. Um, jumping right in, I, I want to learn more about, you know, Rob and I, I want to learn your, your sort of passion for motorsport in a second. But are you cheating to beat me so badly? <laughs> no. I, it, I'm, I, I do spend hours every week on my fantasy, I, I must admit. But um, I'm, I'm not really doing anything different to what I've done the past few years where I've done okay, but nowhere near as, as good as this year. I think this year I've just been very lucky. Um I mean, I think with, with fantasy, you can put in the effort and that gives you a better chance. But uh, a couple of DNS in the wrong race and mm. you're completely trying to find a word I can say that's not swearing. Um, <laughs> screw. In trouble. Yeah, um, in trouble. <laughs> well, screw was the word I was going for. I wasn't sure. That was, oh, yeah, so it's, I think that's the line somewhere around there. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. So, but yeah, so previous years I've, I've done the same and just it's gone badly. So I've been lucky this year. Well, aren't you like double digits in the world? At this point, or? Uh, not right now. I've actually dropped down to 110. <gasps> about that. Oh no! Um, I, I, I'm like at night. I'm like 260. I'm right behind you, man. <laughs> That's quite so, a long way behind, Brian. Out of so, 1.6 million, I'll take it. I, I was 50th until um, last race where loads of people played Mega Driver and that's jumped them ahead of me. That's what so I when, when I get around to play my Mega Driver, I'm hoping to jump back up to top 25-ish. Oh, so so you're over 100 clear of Brian, and he even used his uh, Mega Drive yes. already and still can't get close to you. These are yeah. correct facts. These yeah. are correct facts. <laughs> um, so w- we know Andy's going to use the Mega Driver, I'm pretty sure, in Brazil. It's the sprint yeah. race. And so I think I can dispatch Rubens, and maybe he could put something in Max's drink before the race so he falls asleep and can't run and gets a DNF. He gets a DNS as well. So that would that would help me, right? This yeah, this could happen. It would definitely. I yeah. mean if I get if it's a DNQ, DN DNF, then that's minus twenty points. Trebled oh. is minus sixty, you know. There's a hope. Maybe the, <laughs> maybe Red Bull will spend too much on catering that week too. Um okay anyway. So Andy, how did you become such a huge motorsport fan? Just out of curiosity, because I see you on Twitter and you're really seemingly into so many versions of motorsport, F1, F Formula E, F2. Yeah, so um first started watching F1. Well, my brother just turned on the telly on a Sunday afternoon um, and we saw you know racing cars and thought we'd give it a watch. So in my memory, that's the last race of 1997 which apparently is when Schumacher tried to take out Villeneuve and failed and Villeneuve took the championship. I don't remember that happening at all, which does make me question if that really was the first race I ever watched. But, um, <laughs> um, and then, yeah, next couple of years, we kind of just watched it. When If we turned on telly and it was there, then, you know, we, we, we watched it. And I was supporting um, McLaren and Coulthard back then um, and hacking a little bit. And so quite happy, you know, with watching um, the, the Hackenden take the titles for McLaren. But um, then over the Schumacher years, I just didn't really watch. It wasn't anything deliberate, avoiding the whole Schumacher dominance thing. I think we just kind of slipped away from it. But um, in 2003, went off to uni, uh, uh, met a girl who was quite into F1 and watched a little bit again with her. That's amazing. Um, and then uh, 2007, um, uh, when she told me, oh, there's a young British guy joined McLaren. I went, oh, okay, you know, British driver, my, my the team I, I kind of vaguely support, yeah, I'll start paying attention. And uh, basically, Lewis Hamilton absolutely hooked me uh, on F1 again, or, or properly on F1, and I don't think I've missed a race since. 
and then from that, you know, I just started ending up watching the uh, other series, really. Um, so yeah, quite like F2. I think F2 racing's fantastic. I, I, I think it's a better racing spectacle than F1. But just the amount of stuff around it, you know, people talking on Twitter and forums right. and fancy games. I, I still have F1 as my biggest main one I'm into um, um, because of that. Um, but yeah, I also watched Formula E. I thought that'd be interesting. Um, I think early on it wasn't the most interesting racing, maybe. Um, and definitely it struggles with um, actually advertising when the races are and stuff. <laughs> I can tell you, I have missed a bunch of them not knowing it was happening that week. I um, <laughs> I, I I actually had my first first uh, journey in an electric car last night. The uh, the taxi, the Uber that picked me up was a Tesla. And oh, was the your guys, first time in an electric car? First kind of electric car. Yeah, have I mean, you I lived under a I've rock never, for four years? I just, well, I've never owned one because I prefer a, you know, a petrol car. I don't want an electric car. Anyway, this guy picks me up. We um, we get up onto the interstate, and he kind of puts his foot down a little bit, and I kind of I must have like audibly gone whoa, because I'd not heard, I'd not felt that instant acceleration like that. And he said, oh, I think that's good. And then he kind of looked around and saw that the highway's a little empty. Kind of slowed right down, and then floored it again. And Wow, I mean, those—it's just—it's just the instant acceleration. It's just insane, and I—I I, I get why maybe the petrol heads aren't drawn to it as much because they think it's like slot car racing, but um, they do need to do a better job of advertising it because it—I think it looks like it is a decent uh, sport. I've never watched a race, but I think if I watched one, I'd get into it. But like you say, if they don't tell us when it's on, uh-huh. I've got to say. Since joining Twitter, you follow the right Twitter accounts, then you find out the songs everyone's talking about at the right time. Um, so that was really helpful for me when, in what kind of when I got into Formula E properly was when I joined Twitter and found out when all the races were. I'm actually kind of worried, like about Formula E, and I believe the teams will keep supporting it. Like in the states here, we have the WNBA, and at the beginning, it was losing a lot of money, but the NBA supported it, and so it kept it going. But with the W series, and I don't know if you guys saw this this week, having to cancel the last yeah. few races because yeah. of money, um, that was I thought a crusher. And so I would just worry that the you know a Formula E could be in a similar position financially at some point as the W series. However, with the teams that are in it, I would assume it would still be funded and continue. Just I worry about it. I think well, it's a completely different beast, really. I mean, Formula E. Um, is making money the same way Formula One does. The promoters are paying to host races. So because they do, you know, inner city racing, all, all the city, whatever the word is, governments or whatever, are, are paying hosting fees to Formula E, to, to, for Formula E to come there. So right. I, I think the Formula E business model is is, is relatively robust. W Series, well, I've, so. w Series I've never understood where their funding's coming from. I never got it either. And obviously it's... it wasn't enough. So <laughs> clearly not. Yeah. I mean, the first the first series they did a whole you know six races or whatever. You know, I say a whole year, it was only like six races, but they had no advertising on sponsorship or anything anywhere. It's like how how are you running this? There's there's no entry fees for the drivers. You're clearly not getting any sponsorship in, and you're paying prize money out as well. And you're paying for all the logistics of shipping all the cars and all the drivers all around the world. Okay, not all around around Europe. I, I, I had no idea how it was working. Yeah, and well, I still don't. I don't think they do, and so they're working <laughs> on it again here as well. So I have another question for you. I'm sorry, but on Twitter, you've posted some amazing photos 
of oh, collecting you. autographs and collecting oh, okay. memorabilia oh, oh. and things. How I do you do that? Do you I, thought, a... I thought you were going to say my photography skills were amazing, but no, it's just about collecting. <laughs> well, memorabilia. you and Rob are big time photographers, so I'll let you guys talk about that. But no, like, how do you do that? Do you have paddock passes or like what do you do to get well, to the do you go early and stand by the gates are you like how do you make that happen a tip for because we've had a, a handful of people ask questions like that on the dirty side okay this year in particular i had paddock passes i i won paddock passes and went to the belgian grand prix it was in the paddock all weekend and it was amazing a, 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 absolutely fantastic time wow. um if you're interested i won them from f1fanvoice.com Okay. Don't know it, can we advertise our stuff? I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's an official. It's an official F1 feedback site, um, which which I joined. And pre-COVID, they were doing um, prizes for um, every month for paddock passes, and I won some on there. So I'd recommend it, but I, uh, as a website. But I, I, I will say they're not offering paddock passes anymore. Oh, uh, they, they they stopped due to COVID because they had a big backlog of people like me who won it pre-COVID and hadn't been able to use them because of COVID. Hopefully, at some point soon, they'll start offering them again. But, um, but yeah, well, so that, 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 that's how I did it this year. Um, in terms of other autographs, I also enter quite a lot of Twitter competitions for various things and win some of them. Um, so I've won a few signed caps and stuff that way as well. So basically, two things I'm hearing. One is you're very lucky, which yes. I would once again attribute <laughs> to your fantasy success this year. Uh, but then <laughs> to two... Uh, you know, it sounded amazing the time at, at Spa, um, but will it be as amazing as the 100 seconds of DRS quiz that's about to happen? <laughs> Segway champion I am. That, Are you... that is yeah. awesome, Brian. That is yeah. one of the most seamless ones you've ever done. I know. As Rob gets his phone ready to screw up the timing. Andy, are you ready, my friend, for the 100 seconds of DRS? I guess so. It's not the bit I'm looking forward to because I can just waffle for ages and for the 100 seconds I need to answer quickly without giving loads of context. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a go. Let's see what happens. All right. Uh, well, I, I... Hey, see, that's a little preview. There's some foreshadowing there. The, the simple answer to that question was yes, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, that's, that's a, great. That's, that's a great awesome. example, Rob. Um, Rob, are you ready to mess up the timing? I'm ready to mess it up fully. But uh, actually, I think I mean, that's a running joke now that's been with us too long. Yeah, we're actually good this. at it now. We're we... good at this now. We figured so out how will... to count to 100 better than exactly. anybody. <laughs> so I'm going to count you guys in, and uh, Brian's going to ask the questions. So in three, two, one, go. Andy, tires interesting or not? Interesting. Uh, wet or dry race? Ooh, dry to wet. Oh, very nice. What's your favorite non-F1 sport? Formula 2. <laughs> How about what's your favorite non-motorsport sport? Non -motorsport, uh, ultimate frisbee. There you go. What would you give winners instead of champagne? Chocolates. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you could add a venue to F1, where would it be? Brands Hatch. Oh, okay, good. Um, is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Is it Mario or Luigi your favorite? Who would say Luigi? Clearly Mario. <laughs> Agreed. I, that's exactly the answer I have. Here's the most important one that's not F1. Is it pronounced GIF or JIF? I pronounce it GIF. Everyone else is welcome to do it their own way if they want to be wrong. GIF is correct. So um, <laughs> what's your favorite uh, driver on on the tracks today? Uh, Hamilton. And all time? Hamilton as well or anyone else? Yeah. Nice. First poster you had on your bedroom wall? I think that was um, uh, 
picture of a scantily clad lady with something about beer, but I can't remember what it was. <laughs> 50 facts about beer, maybe? <laughs> Sounds like a great poster, actually. Um, sleep in or up early? I'd like to sleep in. Okay. And so DRS, is it good or bad for racing? It, it'll do. It's better than nothing. Oh, I agree. What is your favorite country to visit? USA. Oh, very nice. And what is your favorite food? Chocolate. And, and what, that's it. No, oh, there we go. So you're handing out chocolates and you're eating chocolates. So basically, there's a large chocolate situation going on. Chocolate is an important part of my life. <laughs> <laughs> not, not as important as Formula One, but you know. Apparently. Well, that's great. Thank you for doing that. That was fun. You're man. welcome. Yeah, very good. So I wish you honestly continued success in fantasy. No, um, he just no, I <laughs> see it in his face. He doesn't. No, not even not even a little bit. But um, you know, I will be chasing you the last four races and seeing if I can get anywhere near. I doubt it because I use my Mega Drive. But uh, just know there'll be some guy in Chicago and in the states really working his ass off every week to try to catch you. So enjoy that knowledge. And for everybody who listened to this today. If you want to be on the 100 seconds of DRS, please feel free to reach out at F1 Dirty Side on Twitter. Shoot us a tweet or a DM, whatever you like, and we'd love to have you guys on as well. Andy, thank you so much for doing this, man. Thank you. And as we talked about there, uh, first off, anybody who wants to be on the 100 seconds of DRS, please reach out on Twitter at F1 Dirty Side. I'm looking at you, Mike. Um, and then second, we should mention, and we kind of hung up and Andy talked about this a little bit, the, the woman he was with who enjoyed F1 became his wife and they still watch a lot of F1 together. Um, he's like, I should probably mention that. I should have said that. Now she's going to listen and think I forgot that I should have said that. So no, we, Mrs. Andy, we know, uh, he said that it just didn't make the last edit. And here it is. Is everybody excited? America's leading Formula One podcast is leading up to the Austin GP. They, they cannot wait. The Circuit of the Americas run coming up from our blog here. Rob, are you as excited as I am for this this coming week? I, I really am because um, for all the kind of naysayers about Miami and the ones that are already naysaying about Vegas, even though we haven't raced there, um, Vegas, Cota, baby Vegas. Cota has got a good vibe to it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It really has. And, and that really shouldn't be a surprise because apparently, according to the research, it was the first purpose-built track for F1 in the USA. They actually, rather than try to shoehorn F1 into something else... Um, like a parking lot in Vegas? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they set about building something that would be designed for the for the current cars. Um, they took, apparently, the design features include inspiration from circuit um, corner complexes at Silverstone, Istanbul, Hockenheim, and Interlagos. Now, just, you know, we did that blog a while back about, like, making the perfect track from all the perfect yeah. pieces. So it kind of sounds like Kota went to go and try and do a little bit of that. And I, I love it, Brian. I love this track. I do, too. And you know what? There are very few people who actually don't like the track itself, Coda. Like, you don't see a lot of people giving slander to the track. Now, they may talk about the fact that you have Shaq standing on the podium at the end, and he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't leave. He just stands there, and he's taller than everyone on their podiums. He's on the ground, and he just feels he's part of the show. They can talk about, you know, the grid walk with people who don't know what F1 is or whatever. But very few people actually have any bad things to say about the track itself. I love the fact that it's a purpose-built track. I absolutely love the way they come up the start and go uphill and with that left-hand turn. 
everybody goes off to the right when there's any battling. It is a great start. It is a beautiful track. They've got this massive 250-foot-tall observation tower, 360 degrees, including you can see downtown Austin. It's got an amphitheater, or as my wife would say, amphitheater. She really hits that eye. I don't understand why. Uh, it can hold live concerts there. It's 3.4 miles long, 20 corners, usually about 56 laps run. And the drivers seem to like it, too. Yeah. Like you don't hear people crapping on it like they do Paul Ricard. So it's just... It seems like it's got what we've always needed here in the States, and we've had it for a while now, but a purpose-built, solid racetrack, and it's not just F1, right? I mean, there's a lot of series that run there. Yeah, and and if you take a look at the picture that I used for the blog this week when I kind of looked at uh, America's love affair with with motorsport, right? Because a lot of people kind of write the USA off as kind of being these Johnny-come-latelys to to the F1 scene. And, you know, F1's been here since the 50s. It's just never really stuck, and I'm I'm hoping that's changing. But one of the things I kind of looked when I picked the picture for Kota, there's a picture I've taken there, and there's like five cars wide going around a corner because they built this thing to be wide they haven't really time to throttle the track too much to make it too narrow where it's going to be hard for overtaking so i'm kind of really looking forward to seeing this year's cars uh on that track as well i mean like you say they kind of I, they have to i guess for revenue to kind of keep the place going but they've opened it up to indycar lmp1 moto gp nascar probably lawnmower racing i don't know you name it they've got Good it going bad. at this track and uh, the only kind of downside as we spoke about um previously is the uh, the w series was supposed to be held here and obviously they've had to can that because of uh um cash flow problems which is quite disappointing but solid solid racetrack um we've probably totally oversold it now and it's going to be a snooze fest but uh <laughs> i can't wait and also based on pit lane pool last week i can't wait to see pictures of him rocking his cowboy hat uh, i'm hoping for kind of full-on kind of chaps and and everything right well danny rick always busts that out too right he always kind of has the <laughs> and he shaves into a mustache i mean danny rick embraces america as well as anybody um so we've had lewis has won here five times seb max kimmy valtteri all have won mercedes with six wins red bull two ferrari one the current lap record is charles from 2019 um but here's one last stat that I found fascinating. Uh, I actually found it before last week and didn't get a chance to highlight this before Japan. So Red Bull has now won... Uh, so let me phrase that. Red Bull has now had a top two finish in 17 straight races. That's been done two other times. 17 is the record for most times finishing within the top two. Williams, through the 93 and then into the 94 season, doesn't have to be in the season, the stat... Uh, 17 races finishing at least one or two. Mercedes, 2014 and 2015, 17 races finishing at least one or two. Red Bull, all in 2022, now has 17 races finishing with at least one or two because the ones Max didn't, Checo did. So if Max or Checo can finish first or second, it will be the longest top two streak in the history of Formula One. And you wouldn't bet against it happening this weekend, right? Unless there's something calamitous that happens to the Red Bulls. One of those two you would would expect. Uh, Mind you, I mean, it's quite a twisty-turny track, right? Because this is one where, like, when we finally get round to having the Rob versus Brian and we do the F1 game, we're not doing Cota because I just can't do it. I it can't just either. It just flips back and left and forth, all the, left and right all the time, and I can never find the right line. It's just... Uh, can, even with Chase Cam on and the green line, <laughs> I can still only get like the first nine or ten corners, eight or nine corners, and then after that, I'm screwed. But by the end, I can't remember. You know, I know it's a high speed corner, but I'm taking the wrong angle. I missed the apex. I'm going off. Um, but I do have a question. You kind of so I don't have anything else on Coda. Do you have anything else you want to hit there, Rob? 
No, just 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 giddy up and let's get there. Well, I, I have one last question that you kind of actually, um, I didn't have this in the thing, but what you kind of brought up, what are the odds, you said odds, of Max or Checo not finishing in the top two? So last night, I'm doing a little surfing around on the interwebs, and I might have ended up on a gambling website, and I may have looked at some of the F1 odds, and Rob, I'd like your thoughts on this. And actually, everybody listening, i like your thoughts too, because we may kind of crowdsource my decision here. I found a bet, and it was just, it was bonkers to me. Hamilton, Leclerc, Perez, Russell, Sainz, Verstappen, so the top three teams, Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull, to score points, all, all those drivers, all six, have to score points in every race onwards for the rest of the year. There are four races left. So I read this, and I'm like, duh, why would they not? I mean, unless they have a DNF. But it's a, it's a plus 2200 meaning if I put in $100, I win $2,200. What? That seems like a great bet. No. Like no, what I'm a- just so I'm doing the mental gymnastics here because despite being here for nearly six years now, I still can't get my head around American odds. Okay. This this plus so, thing. Well, doesn't, I would I, have to I'm do, like three to yeah. one, two to one. That's no, that, no. that's that's. I my put in a hundred bucks. Okay, and if the thing I described happens, which will take apart really focused. So it's twenty two to one. Okay, and so it's twenty two <laughs> to one, and you get your money back, your bet back. So you I get, get twenty three hundred dollars yeah, yeah. if this happens. Hamilton, Leclerc. Perez, Russell, Sainz, Verstappen. So it's the six drivers on the top three teams all have to finish in the points for each of the last four races. That's a lot of money. Why wouldn't they? Who's going to take points off them? I mean, yeah, but it's it's anything with these kind of like this is almost like a, what do they call it over here. I would call it an accumulator. Is it a parlay? This yeah. is kind of like um, it, it is. It's you've a six only got one. You've, yeah, it's a six Top driver 10. parlay, and you've only got to get one of those to get tagged by someone and, and DNF, and your whole. So bet's technically, gone. it's a twenty-four piece parlay because it's. <laughs> it's six drivers, four races in the top. Yeah, 10. exactly. I mean, but who's gonna who's gonna stop them? themselves or only one person has got to bin this and your whole bet's gone i'm not saying don't do it but do it, it really? and if you win yeah. and if you win loads of money you can finance the dirty side next year <laughs> or i could finance other things that are anyway um so no <laughs> i was gonna say something else so I, I, but no seriously like i looked back and i'm trying to think it's pretty rare you have to have a crash for these guys not to finish in the top well, 10. I'm just looking at the one below that you put on the notes here, right? Yeah. Hamilton, Leclerc, Norris, Perez, Russell, Sainz, and Verstappen to finish in the points, everyone, is plus 4,000, which means 40 to 1. That's even. I know that involves Norris, but that's pretty much where he's been, fifth or sixth yeah, I know. all the time. But I'm, I'm not willing to gamble on the McLaren being as reliable um, and getting him everywhere. I, I feel like the top six guys are always in the points. And we talked about Max. He starts at the back. Charles starts at the back. They still finish fifth or sixth. Yeah, but you got Ferrari clown show going on here twice. That's true. <laughs> that is tr- now that is true, and that is someone having a DNF is what I would really have to or a crash I'd have to worry about. But I I I, I would love it if the listeners would put some thoughts onto the Twitter at F One Dirty Side. Either just it's, put us a DM or something. What you think? I think I might put a hundred dollars on this thing. I was going to say it might be worth a cheeky fifty bucks, but hunt oh five bucks even, but a hundred. Yeah, you go for it, Brian. You got richer taste than I have. I was getting really excited. I was like, I'm sitting now. I might have had a couple of drinks when I saw this. I'm thinking, hmm, ten thousand dollars is the reporting limit for the U.S. government. I'm like, four hundred and forty-five dollar bet is nine thousand seven hundred ninety dollars, oh just under the wire. I was yeah, like, counting one what I, I was going to do with it. I'm like, I buy my daughter a car. Here we go. Yeah, another one. I'm going to file into Brian overthinks things again. <laughs> yeah, but that's a large file. 
<laughs> you need a, right. A, I think on that note, I think we are uh, meandering our way out of this episode and into yes. insanity. Yes. Um, so tomorrow it will be race week. Um, and can, we can look forward to cowboy hats and, and everything that Circuit of the Americas has to offer. So I, I can't wait. Uh, I'm looking forward to all of it because I do love the occasion that wraps around this. I do love the US putting on the show. I love the fact this race usually puts on a show. And I can't wait for Pit Lane Paul's uh, travel uh, travel diary update either. So um, I'm, I'm super excited. So um, take us out, Brian. Huge congrats to Max. For anyone who thinks we didn't give him enough credit, we gave him an entire episode. He is that good. Uh, looking forward to the USGP as well, and I'm looking forward to talking about it next week. Everybody, thank you so much for your time. Have a wonderful week. Be well. Talk to you soon.